This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55 a.m., Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything can change. Welcome to the Climate Action Show. My name is Vivian Langford, and salut, Babette. We would like to pay our respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, from whose land we are broadcasting at Radio 3CR, and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, where we can be heard at Radio Skid Row. Today, you will know the outcome of the 2022 election, dear listeners, but as I am pre-recording this from Sydney, all I know is whichever government we get must learn to care for country as the First Nations people do. I'm learning this every day. I think all of us need to care for country so we can cut through and disrupt the short-sighted and heartless thinking which is now dominant. My conversation with filmmakers Mandy King and Fabio Cavadini take us to the Kosciuszko National Park. Their latest film is Where the Water Starts. Everyone's crying out about water. I want to take them to the spring where the Murray is, where the Murray comes out of the ground. That's the place. That's, that's what all Australians need to see. They were saying the horses are great for our biodiversity. That's completely the opposite to what any science in this area actually states. This country's not designed for the heavy foot animal. But the man from Snowy River let the pony have his head. There's an understanding that if the horse belongs in the Australian bush, then we as white colonials belong too. The debate isn't about Australia's identity, it's about our environment. As the year and the decade comes to an end, the country is burning. Aboriginal people need to be a big part of working on country and being listened to. This country is where all the water starts. It's supposed to flow freely down to our country. The farmers gave up their cattle leases long ago because livestock were damaging the high country, spongy vegetation. Nowadays, it's Snowy 2.0, a so-called renewable energy project, plus the feral horses, that are damaging this fragile alpine water catchment. Mandy and Fabio's film, Where the Water Starts, highlights Richard Swain and other First Nations people up there who want us to all care for country. With climate disruption bearing down on us, I think we need the massive change of heart they are talking about. Later in the show, we'll hear from the School Strike for Climate in Sydney. We're talking now about the film uh, Where the Water Starts, and I have the uh, film director Mandy King and the producer Fabio Cavadini with us, and they are really Australian documentary royalty listeners. If you don't know their names, well, you haven't. You've missed a lot of good films. Uh, maybe could you just start by telling us a little bit about your career, like the films I've seen. I can't remember the names of them, but so many fabulous films, including in East Timor. Well, look, at, I mean, I guess we're underground royalty, if you're going to put it that way. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, look, we yeah, we've been working together since 1987 and uh, producing films on, well, uh, with... First Nations people, um, films about the environment in the Pacific, uh, including in Bougainville in the uh, 19, late 1990s, about Jarvis Bay way back when we first started, uh, when there was a naval base threatened to be built in that really beautiful place. And just, yeah, and East Timor has been a long theme and connection for us. The Shadow of East Timor was an early documentary that I worked on and uh, yeah it, and then followed up later in 1999 with Starting From Zero which we both worked on mm. and we've also done a little more filming in Papua New Guinea too up at the huge uh, uh, gold mine up at Porgara in the mountains there that is a documentary that's yet to be completed mm. but another story of you know injustice and environmental 
destruction. Mm. Yeah. Well, you were awarded the uh, Order of East Timor, I think, because the people there were so moved to have the solidarity of worldwide and people like filmmakers are so crucial in getting the message out because if you're working underground with royalty you know certainly people's struggles around the world are completely underground as far as the media goes i think and so you're you're doing a heroic work even if the films you make don't change the world at the time later on it's documentary evidence of things and you know it'll be called on you also made a film about um you know, Jack Mundy and the people here in the Green Bands wasn't about that, but do you want to tell us? Well, I, 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 actually, I didn't actually make the film. I was working oh, as a cinematographer. Right. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Patrice made that film, yes. Rocking, Rocking the Foundation. Rocking the Foundation, yeah. I think Melbourne listeners will remember that, and I, I saw your name yeah. on that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Well, I, st I started making film in 72, basically, Um uh, I came to Australia in 1969, and uh, in 72, uh, through my brother making a film in Canberra about the Tent Embassy, meaning the Aboriginal Tent Embassy, uh, is where I learned another history about this country. And uh, uh, to me, uh, uh, it changed the whole um, aspect of my life, really, because uh, I realized that, uh, like in many other countries in Europe, uh, Australia was not the less uh, culpable of, uh, you know, uh, taking over our country, exploiting the land, and uh, and killing the, the the people basically, yeah. which they still doing today, yes. and um, that's what made me change uh, my lifestyle and I became a filmmaker. Mm. I learned by making films and. Um, and not, I didn't go to any schools or anything like that. And uh, that's just probably, probably one of my disadvantage. You know? <laughs> I'm not an intellectual uh, filmmaker, as perhaps many others are. So, but um, it doesn't matter because um, we all have story to tell. And uh, uh, as far you have uh, some knowledge of using equipment and whatever, you can tell these stories, you know, yeah. and um, that's what we do, and uh, we the story we're telling they're not necessarily told by other people, or if they are, usually they're stolen it from us. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's right. I think there's something about this underground because when you're sympathising with people, like in the temp tent embassy, something took you there. You you've got a different sympathy, so you're differently connected than the people mm. who've got all the academic qualifications who are connecting. You know, like the four corners kind of approach where they go in. In a different yeah. way, and you seem to go in in this much more humble way. But it, it gets gets marvelous interviews out of people. People tell you the truth, and and then you connect with other people. It's just very poignant the work you can do. But, yeah, what we're trying to do is also to uh, connect uh, an issue that uh, is not just uh, simply simply an issue that is something that happened at the moment or or in a particular time is an issue that is connected to uh, to um, the lifestyle, to the politics, to the uh, racial uh, attitude that you're having to people. And yeah. uh, the story of the, the where the water starts is the same. You know, it's not just an issue of uh, some uh, right-wing person wanting to do business and therefore he likes to have the horses there. And then some Aboriginal person don't like the horses there and they don't want to get rid. No, it's not that simple. You yeah. know, is actually a more depth uh, issue. The and the issue is a racism issue. You know, yeah. because when you look at the film, you understand what does it mean. You know, so that's is where we're trying to get to is to connect uh, the different um, layers. You know, of a story. It's not just a simplified story like you know you see uh, uh, the four corner story. You know, although it's a very good. Uh, story and it's important that it's there but it's really a mud slinging you know uh, yeah. the right uh, throw muds at the left and the left throw muds at the right and that's, and, that's right. It, and, you know? and it leaves you with this divide and conquer situation where the listener or the viewer just feels well there's nothing i can do there's no and i think that's there right. is a belligerent battle going on uh, between mm -hmm. environmentalists and Brumby advocates, and that was highlighted in Four Corners film called Feral. But I think the Aboriginal approach that you sort of discovered is much more sophisticated. And I'd like you to tell us about those ceremonies. Mandy, could you 
tell us about the ceremonies? Why do they do them? I mean, the Murray River is connecting, as you say, South Australia to New South Wales. It's it's a huge vein or artery of our country. And what are those ceremonies about? Well, it'd be wonderful if you could get Richard to tell this story, but I'll just briefly um, say that um, Najong means fresh water. And his, um, he was born in Kuma, up in the high country, and sp has spent most of his life up there, even though he's a Wiradjuri, uh, of Wiradjuri descendancy. Um, and as a result, he's also um, built up his whole um, career uh, of more recent times on the river, the Snowy River and the Murray River. And uh, through this um, canoe and rafting um, that people can go on. Um, and so he's been a witness, an observer of the changes along these rivers. And what has happened is that the feral animal um, population regarding the horses has gotten really overblown yeah. to the point where the horses during the drought were starving because they were overpopulating um, because of this uh, wild horse heritage legislation that protected them. So we ended up with this really vicious circle where we have a feral animal protected in a national park and they're damaging the headwaters of at least two out of the three of our iconic rivers that start up there, which is the Murray, Snowy and Murrumbidgee. Now the Murrumbidgee and the Murray are incredibly important rivers for the livelihoods of thousands, if not you know, tens of thousands of people in this country because of where they flow and the, the farming that occurs along them. And Richard was just um, aghast at uh, what was, was happening and was also well aware of the intimidation that people who did speak up were receiving. Yeah. But his concern was so strong that he decided, he and his partner, Alison, that they must speak up. And uh, one of the key events that they organised, that Richard spent a lot of time organising with Aboriginal elders, uh, was the Najong Water Healing Ceremony, which was held up at Kosciuszko National Park, very close to the headwaters of the Murrumbidgee River. And the people who attended that weekend had the privilege of not only experiencing the water healing ceremony themselves, but they also were taken on a tour to see the, the headwaters of the Murrumbidgee, which is all muddied and potholed by the, the hoof prints of these horses that can just range anywhere mm. um, and certainly could at that point. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, it caused uh, such concern on his part that he organised this amazing ceremony, which we unfortunately weren't aware of at the time, but is definitely a, a key part of our film and the message of our film. Yeah. And his networking with local Aboriginal leaders uh, gave us a, a means to know who, who the important people were to speak to. So we did. Yeah, we interviewed well, other people I, as I well. I think you were lucky, and I know Bruce Shillingsworth has taken people up the Darling River, the Barker River, on a similar tour, and he comes from a his ancestry is rainmakers, and and they really have ceremonies to make rain, and and the people were lucky to witness that and to, you know, meet the elders and to see like the river Darling it was full of dead fish at that time, or it was an empty river, and the dead fish were on the side. So look, this word sacred, I don't know if listeners will come along with me on this, but I think a lot of people squirm at that word. And yet the invasion of this country, first by white people and then by their horses and then by their plants, like it's an invasion here. Um, I think that you could call that a desecration. And what did you learn while making Where the Water Starts about sort of resacralizing country so that you can literally care for country? Well, Richard's key message is that the, it, it's a responsibility of all Australians to accept this land as their heritage, as our heritage, and caring for it and protecting it as our culture. 
there's no question that we're part now and we have a role to play and um but the leadership is coming from their voices and yeah. their um beliefs and practices around caring for country and particularly in our national parks i mean it should be absolutely top of the agenda um you know the, the auntie sue bulger uh, calls for this in in our film that uh, national parks should be a place where aboriginal people can find employment and find a crucial uh, role to play to 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 caring for country but they're often often you know sort of marginalized yeah. and um you know have to go yeah. through all these uh, processes to access uh, their their country so that's something we need to really deal with, um, yeah. whether it's co-management, joint management or whatever. I'm not exactly sure, but, um, you know, there is scope for serious change, even with the running of our national parks. There is a, a, also a lack of um, uh, culture in this country. You know, there is no culture. The, 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 I mean, if you look at uh, what these people do to their own culture, even, you know, the building that they disappearing, they've been destroyed because of uh, profits. You know, they don't even have respect for their own culture, let alone having respect for other people's culture and indigenous people's culture. You know, yeah. we should learn something from the people you know we have to uh, learn how to listen and 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 uh, and connect with the people the indigenous people of this country and then we're gonna learn something you know i uh, uh, appreciated uh, the the story that i've been hearing from aboriginal people since 72 basically yeah. and uh, to me is a very important thing because uh, uh, I can see that when my brother started making the film in 1972 about the 10th embassy, the original idea of the film he was wanting to make, it was a film about the left. <laughs> he soon found out that the left, yeah, it was there, but you know, it was a whole lot of um, um, infights and, uh, and jealousies and all this kind of stuff. And he realized that in fact, the, the Aboriginal people by setting up the 10th embassy and, and not only the 10th embassy, but uh, the medical service, the legal service, the children, um, um, kindergartens and so, you know, things that uh, nobody else was doing. So the film uh, focused eventually on the 10th embassy and, and the indigenous people and their struggle for land rights, yeah. you know, and, and they, this is still going on today, you know, and uh, you can see it because these people, they, they got an affinity with the land that we don't have. And we have to learn about it, you know. Yeah, well, this is what I'm getting. I want to know. You two have witnessed. I mean, you've been making this film for a few years through the through the drought, through the big fires we had. And now at the background of all of this is climate change and um, the snowy 2.0 we've done. Listeners will remember we did a program about that and that was in the middle of the bushfires. I had these people, I remember how hot it was that day, interviewing them. They were all from Kosciuszko National Park and they were saying, we mustn't go ahead with this big, big battery project. It's going to be a white elephant. Um, and it's destroying a lot of the land around um, yeah, Rangabilly Caves and so on. It's called Snowy 2.0 and Malcolm Turnbull pins his legacy on that. Um, but they said it won't help the energy grid and it will be massively destroying to the ecosystem of that precious environment. So you've been making this film. Have you, I mean, you're witnessing history while making this film, aren't you? What What is the impact of all of that, that climate action, climate solutions, climate 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 everyone's talking about it on this particular group of people you were meeting there what's the impact well i mean the snowy to itself it, we don't go into a lot of detail about that um but it is touched on and certainly the imagery of that development which included explosion explosions which very much were almost like mirror images of the Dukan gorge uh, explosions um, you know, there's a lot of damage going on up there for that mega development. And Auntie Sue Bulger in particular uh, said that her community feel like it's, you know, it's ripping the guts out of their, their country. Um, 
and and there is a kind of a, an irony here too i mean uncle max uh, harrison who very sadly passed away at the end of last year uh he's interviewed in our film and he worked on the snowy scheme and he talks about how you know there's a sadness there that um, even though he he needed to do that work to earn a living um in the the, the 60s 1960s but there's a sadness associated with the, the destruction that occurred. I mean, as Richard says in the film, every creek was harvested to create scores of dams. There's over 20 dams. I mean, there's damage existing dating back to that scheme mm. and now this new scheme. Um, and once again, one would imagine that Aboriginal people needing employment would be finding employment in this massive infrastructure project uh, because the, the need for uh, to earn a living. Mm -hmm. So we seem to be repeating history. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's disturbing. And um, although the immediate issue is around at least handling uh, something that's at a tipping point and can be um, dealt with, remediated, which is the horses mm -hmm. um there, there are these other infrastructure projects going on that are also causing damage definitely yeah well that's the way in and that's the way in to get city people who don't feel connected even though we all drink the water and we all need the the climate we need a safe climate um we don't connect and so connecting through the man from snowy mm -hmm. river no they get rid of some of the brumbies or not you know cull them um, protect that land but developing a more caring um so that this idea care for country becomes all of our responsibility Definitely. yeah because it, it is a, a an attitude that is so important to have you know towards the country because uh, as they're saying in the film the old people they're saying you know you you lose the water we're gone we got yeah. nothing you know and that is the reality and unfortunately this is a, real, a reality that uh, the, po the population at large seems to be able to have this um, capability of forgetting these things very quickly, you know, yeah. oh, the fires, they're gone now, there's something yeah. in the past, you know, uh, now we got the, the floods, or, or now we got the pandemic, you know, yeah. uh, oh, but now that surpasses everything else, even to the point of surpassing the, the, the imminent election that we're going to have, is the, the war in Ukraine. Ooh, the war is, uh, you know, is a big issue now. So, and people forget about other reality, you know, that they are actually more important and we should be very um, alert to that because, yeah. uh, you know, uh, all these years I've been here, I've been seeing it history repeating itself constantly all the time. And the situation is not improving, you know, because the culture of this country, as to go back to what I was saying earlier, the culture of this country is money and nothing else mm. there is no other culture that's the reality unfortunately well, that's my point of view. <laughs> you both of you have had i think a very great privilege to sit with those people to have your camera there to be up in that high country and to listen and witness people who actually mm. do do ceremonies we don't do so you know we share this culture where we don't do any sort of ceremonies except you know binge tv or something you know it's the ceremony of watching tv or four corners and you feel like you're getting informed because of the media but i don't agree that our culture we don't have a culture but our culture is one of of greedy consumption and not really um processing anything but you've been up in those quiet mountain places and i'd like you to just finish by telling us what you've learned really about being well i Look, it was an absolute privilege um, to, to visit that part of the country and be hosted um, by Richard and others and uh, to receive that message of caring for country and to learn about, I mean, we didn't learn uh, cultural knowledge. We learned just an appreciation that there is cultural knowledge there and it needs to be respected. And um, yeah, no, it's a very special place because it's fragile. And 
we all need to do our part to care for it because so many of us do benefit from that place not only as for water sources a lot of people visit it's a really beautiful place to visit in summer and winter for those those who can afford it um, but in summer of course you know it, it, it's much more affordable so and people are going there and there's people from around the world are going there it's not only Australians it's definitely a multicultural mix of visitors that are going mm. to this very special place and uh I think if we want to see that um, maintained as a special place to visit, we have to show this caring, caring attitude towards it and respect it and to give it some integrity to be managed well yeah. and not just as a place to be exploited. Well, the management is guided by science, number one. Oh, we haven't talked about the scientists in your film, but um, I, I presume they have been equally mollified by, by being part of this experience um the science is one part of it um but the but the aboriginal perspective is a much bigger learning for us to take on board and do you think it should be uh, a lot more there them managing that land that is is their, their country yeah yeah i think uh for me you know personally uh, uh pointing the camera to to the 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 countryside and uh, and taking images you know sometimes i see things that uh, reminds me of my childhood you know uh, there is a shot in the film where you see a, a a silhouette of a leaf and this leaf has got two dots in it two two holes in it and it looks like a little ghost you know uh, where we, uh, and flying around in this in in the atmosphere because of the wind moving the tree and to me, that reminded me of my childhood and listening to story and also listening to Aboriginal story because I've been camping many times with Aboriginal people and we sit sing around the fire, they're telling story and yeah. they're really nice story and really funny story too. And <laughs> that is, uh, and they talk about seeing things in, in trees and shapes of people's faces and recognizing people. And all around trees, rocks, there is uh, rocks up in the mountains that they look like uh, um, not faces, but uh, is a mixture of faces and skeleton, you know, uh, a skull, you know, and that is, is, is so in, incredible, you know, what, what you see in nature, you know, and when you look through a, a lens, you know, you can appreciate those things and um, hopefully something uh, get transmitted through those images too. Yeah. And quickly, I'd just like to say about that um, connection between um, someone like Richard and the scientists who are stepping up to have their voices heard. It, it's a really important um, developing relationship and uh, that really adding a lot of, um, you know, uh, significance behind um, the arguments around this caring for country and uh yeah I, I think that's important to acknowledge that the scientists have definitely some scientists have stuck their head necks out and they've suffered as a result so um that needs to be acknowledged that it, it, it's a collaboration to try and um you know protect this area and it was Richard and Alison who took that initial step uh to form Reclaim Cosy uh, under the umbrella of the uh, Invasive Species Council uh, to really push this campaign out there into the wider community. Okay, thank you very much. So, listeners, I'll put the links to those organisations on the podcast and I'd like to thank very much. It's been a great honour to talk to Mandy King and Fabio Cabardini, who I'm nominating as the royalty of Australian documentaries. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Vivian. When the fires came to find us, we were mostly unprepared. You always think disaster only happens over there We woke up in a daze, our rooms were filling up with smoke 
And every breath we drew was just another way to choke Stars across the Milky Way. I jumped in my car, tore down the Hume. In two hours, I was by his side. Day turned to night, night turned to day. Red horizons and nowhere to hide. Possible to ignore the impacts of climate change that are already with us. From sea level rise and coastal erosion in the Torres Strait to catastrophic bushfires and floods and months long heat waves in India, millions of people are already facing the climate chaos caused by the fossil fuel industry. And while we know that the solution to climate change is to end the age of fossil fuels and build a just transition to renewable energy, governments and banks keep pouring money into the polluting companies who are causing the problem. That's why no matter who is in government, it's up to ordinary people to join together and fight to end funding for fossil fuels. 350 Australia has a plan to take on the big banks funding the climate crisis. Fossil fuels can't survive on their own. If we can cut their funding, then we help save our climate. Every fossil fuel project stopped, every dollar redirected to renewables will make a difference for the people we love and even more so for our children and grandchildren. 350 is a global grassroots movement taking on the fossil fuel industry with students, grandparents, artists, professionals, activists, and more. And there's a role for everyone in our movement, no matter your age, experience, race, ability, or gender. If you've wanted to do something about climate change, jump on our website and we'll connect you with the members of our movement fighting for a safe climate. Just head to 350.org.au forward slash get involved. Now we'll go to the school strike for climate in Sydney on May the 6th. As autumn leaves fell gently down into the square between the cathedral and the town hall in Sydney, young Gamilaroi students told us about protecting the Pilliga Forest and the Great Artesian Basin from gas fracking. For overseas listeners, yes, I know it's hard to believe, but we are going into an election with the big parties promising new coal and gas projects and subsidies that cost Australia more than we make in royalties. In my opinion, we are so deep into denial that in some places, floods and fires catch us completely unprepared, as if we are in a dream. Here is an eight-year-old boy at the rally who was flooded out in Lismore. In the floods, I got rescued off my mum's boyfriend's house. The water was not only out of the house, it came inside the house too. I had to go stay in the loft. We called the SES. It took way too long. We had to get rescued in the neighbor's boat. Everything was really terrifying. It was non-stopping rain. 
was a bit scary in the boat. <laughs> I saw a lot of houses underwater. Some houses only had an antenna sticking out of the water. All of my clothes, my bike, my favourite books at my dad's house got ruined. This flood was the most catastrophic flood ever recorded in Lismore. Because of climate change, thanks to the fossil fools, we have this crazy weather. The floods destroyed a lot of my favourite things like my whole school, my dad's house, my mum's boyfriend's house, the Lismore Library, my favourite pizza shop. I'm only eight. Climate change has happened to me. We need climate action now. other voices you will hear are Adam Bant, accompanied by at least four Green MPs, Michael White, Acting Secretary of the Electrical Trades Union, Damien Davis-Frank for the Nurses and Midwives Association, Manjot Kaur, speaking about the heatwaves in India which have broken all records and are devastating if they continue that way, and the singer Montaigne with her song Ready to Go striking for their future are heroes and they are striking because we're in a climate crisis but Liberal and Labor want to open up 114 new coal and gas mines. We can't put the fire out while we're pouring petrol on it. We've just seen floods, fires, droughts rip through our country and at this election Liberal and Labor both say more coal and gas. These students are fighting for their future and they've got the Greens full support. This election you will see a youth quake. There will be a youth uprising as young people vote for their future. This election young people will be voting for a safe climate, voting Greens, because that is the only way that we will keep coal and gas in the ground. I would like to talk about the Pilliga, but in Gamilaray we say Biliga. The Biliga forest is an ancient water biodiversity and carbon sink resource that the government wants to turn into a gas field. Shame! Shame! Shame alright eh? In 2011 there was a spill of 10,000 litres of toxic gas at Bibblewindi in the East State Biliga forest. It impacted the environment by destroying trees, natural low-growing plants such as tulus and shrubs, and also had an impact on, on the Namoi River. The toxins leaked into the river through the rain. The Namoi River is a sacred place for Gamilaray people because of Waraba. The Gamilaray people have a connection to the Great Artesian Basin, which goes from the top of Queensland to the Victorian border. When this destruction takes place, it will have a major impact on the waterway, on the wildlife, and most of all, a major impact on our Gamilaray people's physical connection to our sacred sites. Shame! Shame! As I said, the Great Artesian Basin is a major waterway that goes from the top of Queensland right down to the Victorian border. The drills travel so far underground that they have to drill their pipes right down into the waterway when they're looking for coal, coal seam gas. And because fracking requires the use of water, they'll be draining the artesian basin, drying up the natural waterways, plants, tree life, and this affects the, uh, the food supplies um, for our sacred animals and wipes out sacred sites. The piliga, like I said before, we say piliga. But the pilliga frog and the blue belly black snake, their natural habitat has already been destroyed by this man-made destruction called the mining industry. What about the mighty Warriba, the sore-necked turtle, the keeper of our law? You know, Warriba was chosen by Buja, God, our father's father's father, and given a task 
and for completing his task, he was given the great honour of being a Gamilaroi law keeper. The Namai River is his natural habitat and his home and has already been impacted by the mining industry. And uh, yeah, thank you. My name's Bailey, I'm 17 and I go to Epping Boys. I'm Natasha, um, I'm also 17 and I live in Western Sydney and Bailey and I are both in year 12. We're doing our HSC and yet we're here because the Morrison government and most politicians can't do their job. They give $20,000 a minute to the fossil fuel industry. I think when we say billions, we don't understand how much a billion is. $20,000 a minute, that's $20,000 a minute that could go to protecting land and water. That's $20,000 a minute that could be going to renewables. That could be giving us a trust transition. And that's $20,000 that's probably not wrecking our futures, right? Our next speaker, Michael Wright, is one of those people. Michael is the Acting National Secretary of the Electrical Trades Union, which means he is currently leads the Electricians Union. We're excited to have him speaking today. Please welcome Michael Wright. Thank you very much. Uh, let me begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land. In fact, not just the Gadigal people on whose land we stand today, but all the First Nations people across our country who have been the custodians of our land for tens of thousands of years. Now, friends, as I stand here today, I look out and I don't just see the climate movement of today. I don't just see the climate movement of tomorrow. I see the future leaders of our country. And it is inspiring to stand here and see you all taking the time out of your day to get off school to come here and come to a strike. Some of you may be your first strike. Hopefully it's not your last. Yeah! Now, as we said, my name's Michael Wright. I'm the Acting Secretary of the ETU. We represent over 60,000 electricians and energy workers across our country. And when it comes to this, we are at the core of the energy sector in Australia. And there are three things we know. First, we know that the climate is warming. We know this not just from the reports we read, not just from what we see on the news, not just from what we read in the papers. We know this because there's ETU members who are having to go out after the floods, after the bushfires, after the natural disasters. And we know that climate change is making these natural disasters more severe and more frequent. Number two, we know that fossil fuels has no future in Australia. We know this because 12 coal-fired power stations have already closed in Australia. ETU members, my members, other workers have been thrown out of a job despite, and the federal government has no plan, no plan whatsoever for their future, for their communities. And we know this makes people angry. Now, the third thing we know is it doesn't need to be this way. We know that if we had a government that actually harnessed the enormous opportunities before our country, that took on the challenge of renewable energies, then we could have a very different future. We could bring manufacturing back. We could bring back heavy industry. We could have it all by a publicly owned world-class electricity grid with renewable energy at its core. Yeah. My name's Damien, uh, I'm, a, I'm a registered nurse and it's, uh, it's an absolute honour to be standing here with all of these brave and wonderful people in front of you guys. We've watched our patients suffer long delays in receiving care. We've watched our colleagues broken and exhausted and felt the hypocrisy of government telling us that they care while refusing to make things any better. And things are going to continue to get worse. With radical climate change, we're seeing a clear and undeniable link to deterioration in health. Increased respiratory presentations and heat-related injuries from fires. Disease and malnutrition and mental health challenges from floodings. 
members of the New South Wales Nurse and Midwifery Association up in the Northern Rivers not only had to suffer personal losses as a result of the floods, but they also had to get up there, turn up to work to keep that system running, fighting for health and safety of our people and our communities and environment is a union and it's a class issue that all workers should be concerned about. Just to wrap up, and I'm an emergency nurse by trade, I'd like to paint a picture of a busy emergency department. We've got this, uh, this phone called the bat phone, which rings when ambulance call and they've got a critically unwell patient. So when the bat phone rings, you assemble your team, you get the necessary equipment needed, and you organise a plan for this patient before they've hit the bed. It doesn't mean that it always goes well, but it means that you've given that, that person the best possible chance of survival. Now, in regards to the climate crisis, and if we talk about our environment like a patient and our nursing and medical teams like this Morrison government, this government firstly refuses to pick up the bat phone. What crisis? It's refusing to prepare. There is no plan. In fact, they're doing the opposite. They're denying the science, they're ignoring the evidence, and they're pushing forward with massive plans of fossil fuel-led infrastructure. This means our government is ignoring the sickness. Our government is ignoring the patient, and the patient is dying. Our environment is dying, and our workers are being left behind. We need a government who will transition to a fossil-free future and fund job creation for fossil fuel workers and their communities. And if our government isn't preparing for addressing the climate crisis, we need to. As the people, as workers, as school students, we need to show leadership, we need to stand up and we need to fight. We will show them our power as workers, as students, as people. Together, united, we will never be defeated. Yet we're still 
confused about whether or not climate action is going to occur? climate change looks like. It looks like a heat wave that comes way before summer starts. It looks like a heat wave that is so wide, widespread. It looks like a heat wave where schools are being closed down in Punjab because students are getting nosebleeds and fainting on their way of walking to school. It looks like a Punjab where more than half the population is subsistence farmers like my grandparents and that half of the population is working in the heat in the fields all day to provide food for their families, provide food for the rest of India, but they can't do it because the heat is literally killing them.
Thank you to Mandy King and Fabio Cavadini, the filmmakers whose film Where the Water Starts is all about the Mount Kosciuszko fragile environment and the Aboriginal people who are protecting it and teaching us all to care for country. You can host a screening of this film if you go to Fanforce, Where the Water Starts. I'm going to host one in Sydney as a Radiothon fundraiser and really it's a wonderful film for everybody. Thanks also to the School Strike for Climate, well organised, and for their singer Montaigne. Thank you to Rory Phillips for his song Tell the Truth and to another singer called Reverend Bones for his song When the Sky Was Blue. You can go to the Climate Action 3CR webpage to find links to all the actions that you could take this week and please share the podcast with your friends. My name is Vivian Langford. Good night and good luck. This is coal. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. It's coal. It's coal. It's coal. Tune in every Monday at 5pm to hear the Climate Action Radio Show. Climate activists are sometimes depicted as dangerous radicals. But the truly dangerous radicals are the countries increasing their production of fossil fuels. We need a grassroots movement that cannot be ignored. Those are the words of the UN Secretary General five days ago. To me, he sounded like a desperate man, admitting the systems he's worked for and within his entire life have failed and calling out for help. The question is, will we respond? Yes! We can no longer ignore the science and the politicians themselves can no longer pretend they're up to the job. So it is down to us, the public, the citizenry, the people, to decide whether we will answer the call. Now those of us here today have already begun to answer, but we are not loud enough yet. Those of us here today have already begun to step forward, but we have not gone far enough yet. From this moment on, we must do more, much more, to answer this call. We must ask more of each other, more of our friends, our family, our neighbours, more of ourselves. We will test the limits of what we can do together, just people. No gimmicks. This is Stephen Pigram from up Broomway, Yauru country. And it's great to be down in Melbourne and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Been here for a long time. But the truly dangerous radicals are the countries increasing their production of fossil fuels.